Welcome to the Clinical Education Initiative podcast, Conversations with CEI, where we feature conversations with clinical experts, their experience and insights on current health issues in the areas of HIV, primary care and prevention, sexual health, hepatitis C, and drug user health. My name is Lauren Walker, and I'm the program director for the Hepatitis C and Drug User Health Center of Excellence at CEI. Today, Dr. Sarah Lorenz Taki, Medical Director for the Greenwich House Methadone Maintenance Treatment Program, will join me in a discussion about hepatitis C treatment beyond traditional healthcare settings. Hepatitis C infection is a major public health problem responsible for substantial morbidity and mortality. In 2021, over 6,500 new cases were reported in New York State, many of which occurred in younger people as a result of injection drug use. Although we have highly effective treatments available for hepatitis C, many people face numerous barriers to accessing them. With the ongoing opioid epidemic fueling new cases, innovative ways of reaching people who inject drugs to ensure they have access to treatment are more essential than ever. Furthermore, people who use drugs and substance use disorder treatment programs were identified in the 2021 New York State Hepatitis C Elimination Plan as priority populations and settings to focus Hep C elimination efforts. Opioid treatment programs, or OTPs for short, are uniquely poised to engage people who inject drugs and integrate Hep C treatment into their services to help expand access to those who need it most. Without further ado, I'm honored to introduce today's guest, who will walk us through Greenwich House's experience providing hepatitis C services and share best practices I hope will be helpful to our listeners. Dr. Sarah Lorenz Taki is Medical Director for Greenwich House's Methadone Maintenance Treatment Program, an OTP in New York City that's been providing treatment for people with opioid use disorder for over 50 years. She provides oversight for all their health services, including medication management, hepatitis C treatment, overdose prevention, psychiatric services, and the Greenwich House COVID-19 vaccination program. Dr. Taki completed her internal medicine residence in the social medicine program at Montefiore Medical Center and is board certified in both addiction medicine and internal medicine. She currently serves on the medical advisory panel and the clinical advisory panel for the New York State Office of Addiction Services and Supports, also known as OASAS, as well as the New York State Department of Health AIDS Institute's Substance Use Guidelines Committee. Dr. Taki trains addiction medicine fellows on the treatment of opioid use disorder in the OTP setting. She's also taken a special interest in the integration of harm reduction into OTPs, hepatitis C treatment, addressing social determinants of health as part of addiction treatment, and creating low threshold treatment for patients with substance use disorders. Welcome to the show, Dr. Taki, and thanks again for taking time to chat with me today. How's your day going? Thank you, Lauren. It's really nice to be here. My day is going very well because I'm here to speak about a topic I really love, hepatitis C treatment in opioid treatment programs. So couldn't be be happier today. Welcome. I want to make sure I make the most of our time and make this as useful for our listeners as possible. But before we really dive into the meat of the conversation, I'm wondering if you can give a little background about Greenwich House, the services you provide, where you're located, who you serve, all of that good stuff. Absolutely. So Greenwich House is what's called a settlement house. We were founded in 1902, and the settlement house was developed to help new immigrants that were coming into the country get established and thrive in their new country. Our mission is really to just serve the needs of community, and we always have, and that that going forward is our goal. Uh, We do this through health and human services. We do this through youth and art programming. We really just try to sort of see what the needs are and respond to them. 
Today, we're, we do offer mental health and addiction treatment, and we have other programs in like the arts and education. Older adult services is a big part of what we do. We have um, something called the Center for Opportunity and Lifelong Skills, and of course, our methadone maintenance treatment program. Greenwich House methadone maintenance treatment program is located in New York City in Lower Manhattan. We serve patients from all five boroughs and Long Island. We utilize all medications that are approved for the treatment of opioid use disorder. Our majority of our patients take methadone, but we can provide buprenorphine, subocade, extended release naltrexone. We try to be a place where really any therapeutic option for a patient is offered. They don't have to go between different clinics. And then in two, we offer counseling, vocational services. We have a very robust peer service. And one of the things that we've started that's really unique is we have a home healthy program that utilizes peers. So we have peers that, that have been trained as home health aides and they sort of, they operate in like a dual role and they go out to patients who are struggling or have healthcare needs, home health aid service type needs, and try to support them in both their recovery and in these needs. So that's pretty special, I think. There's a very big value, I think, in being part of a settlement house as an OTP. I think I mentioned earlier that we have a lot of other programs. So maybe one of the best is our Center for Opportunity and Wellness, where we actually provide training for people like we did an OSHA training. People can get jobs. They can not only be helped getting jobs, but we actually offer sort of certificates and things like that. And I think in an, a, just, a, and just an OTP, that robustness isn't isn't there because it's not serving like the community at large as well. So I think that that's really unique. And then our older adult health services are really special too. We have a number of older adult centers that our patients can attend. Being part of a settlement house is nice because it's really a holistic approach to an individual and we can take that approach into our treatment with people who have substance use disorders. Sounds like a bit of a mixed bag. And I'm wondering if you can give us an example of how Greenwich House meets community needs and why you would consider yourselves a non-traditional healthcare setting. Sure, absolutely. So one of the best examples I would say is the 1918 flu pandemic. So when that hit New York, we opened our doors to the Red Cross. And in terms of addiction treatment, we in the 1960s, opened the very first walk-in outpatient counseling center for people with addiction. And then in 1970, as methadone treatment was sort of coming onto the scene, we were one of the first clinics that opened in New York State. And then in the 1980s and 1990s, when the HIV epidemic was really kind of ravaging the city, we provided mental health treatment and medical care for New, Yorker, New Yorkers living with HIV. I think we're going to your next question about being a non-traditional healthcare setting. So we're an opioid treatment program. We are located in lower Manhattan. We're community-based, meaning we're not part of some like big medical complex at all. We're a little clinic that's been in the neighborhood for a long time. And we provide opioid treatment services so that the majority of people that come to us are really looking for methadone treatment, buprenorphine treatment, or some people want extended release naltrexone, but really the majority of our patients seek us for their opioid use disorder treatment. Other examples of this are like certain service programs, harm reduction programs, overdose prevention centers, mobile clinics, 
substance use disorder treatment programs. They're all sort of bringing patients that are at risk for hepatitis C in, but they're not there for the reason of getting medical care. Non-traditional healthcare settings are usually described as places where patients wouldn't normally get medical services. And my definition is a little bit different. I, I think of it as like centering the patient rather than centering the healthcare system. Patients are coming here for their opioid treatment, but if we can bring hepatitis C treatment to them in this location, we're basically going to the patient instead of sort of requiring them to come to us. In terms of harm reduction, it's really the idea of meeting patients where they are. You must have read my mind because as you were talking, I was thinking about kind of uh, the intersection of clinical care and harm reduction. And I love that Greenwich House and you are really providing those services to people. Why for you as a medical practitioner and medical director over at Greenwich House, why is it important for you to be providing hep C treatment to folks who come into your doors? Well, hepatitis C treatment saves lives so objectively, right? And we are here to save people's lives. We have this wonderful medication, methadone and buprenorphine save lives every day. They're so powerful and effective. And to marry that with hepatitis C treatment just feels like such a win and such a no-brainer in terms of like helping our patients be healthy. The other thing is we see the patients that are not going to go other places. So we're accessing people that fall through the cracks and are the the highest risk of uh, infection and bad things happening from hepatitis C treatment. So you think about where you would find a 22-year-old otherwise healthy person who is injecting fentanyl daily and infected with hepatitis C, they're not going to be sitting in a primary care office for three hours waiting for a doctor. Like that's just not where they are, but they do come into methadone treatment programs. And so we will, we can treat the highest risk patients in the place where they already are coming. It sounds like there might be a little bit of healthcare inequalities at play here or social determinants of health for folks who have heard those names before that people, especially people who are using drugs have been impacted by previously. Absolutely. And we can address those here in a way that you can't necessarily in a busy primary care office or a GI clinic. Another way that we can address social determinants of health is really, I think, through our peer program. We have a very robust peer program that sort of goes out into the community, brings people into treatment if they want that, and then helps them learn to navigate systems and sort of help themselves access different social supports that will help them in their recovery. We have vocational counseling at our opioid treatment program. We have a job center in our in Greenwich House proper. And these, if you marry, again, hepatitis C treatment, opioid use disorder treatment to all of these other services, they help to lower barriers. They help to, to address some of those social, social determinants of health. And then just the plain fact of lowering the barriers, you will get you know, the people that are really do need treatment and are affected by the high barriers to, to care. I know you are in the clinic today, so I don't know if you have access to data or be able to answer this question, but have you seen an impact on all of this work and the supportive care that Greenwich House is providing towards your patient outcomes and more widely eliminating hepatitis C across New York State? I think so. Our hepatitis C treatment program has been like wildly successful, specifically in the eyes of the patients. They really, really appreciate being able to walk in. We have pretty on-demand medical services. 
we can draw their blood here, we can take things little by little in terms of getting them close to their to treatment. So we don't have to do the exam, figure out prescriptions, do the blood work, follow up, like it can all be done in little pieces. And I think the patients really appreciate that approach. It's not overwhelming and we can, we don't lose them in each step of the way. In terms of actual cure rates, I mean, we're, I think when we looked at it, 90, at least 95% effective cure rates. And of the people that didn't cure, there, there was issues like that explained it. Either they had a big break in their treatment or they stopped taking the medication for a side effect reason. And that was why we didn't get that cure, but really the vast, vast majority are, were cured. And then the other really beautiful thing is that a lot of times that fed into their opioid use disorder treatment. So they would start Hep C treatment, feel really good about it, like feel excited and like they did something good for their health. And, and that would help start some positive change towards drug use and, and their treatment or not. And regardless, it just, I think, totally changes the dynamic between provider and patient when you're doing this really substantial thing for their patients and it's not linked to their methadone dose, their bottles, their all these other things that can get kind of get in the way of that relationship. So it's just, I think from all sides, really effective. We're wow. curing patients like it and, you know, and we're creating dynamics that help them engage with us really. Congratulations. I just have to take a minute to acknowledge that and kind of the double success of the gratification for both the patient who is becoming more healthy and taking care of themselves and their health and the provider who's able to give someone a concrete treatment that you take this and you're cured. Providers do it. If they just like start treating hep C, they will not stop. I think it's the, the barrier of starting to do it or it's maybe intimidating or something. But to be able to do that for a patient and do it so easily, right, and get that response, it's just, it is very gratifying to to be able to do. There's very few things in medicine where you can give a medicine that's not toxic, you know, it's not going to cause a lot of side effects. It's a short course of treatment and you cure someone from an illness that can absolutely affect their, their life in so many ways and just their mortality, really. I feel like we finally got to the meat or the middle of our discussion today. And I'm wondering if you can share with us the essential steps in your perspective to developing and integrating a hepatitis C treatment program into an OTP. I would love to. And maybe I can start with just describing that we took to get there. For all of our patients that get admitted or that are currently in treatment, they receive universal screening at the time of admission and then at an annual physical that all patients have while they're in treatment. We do antibody testing that reflexes to viral load. And then if someone is positive at that point, we can engage them in hepatitis C treatment if they're able to, and also if we have the capacity to. So in when we started to develop this program, there were a lot of barriers and a lot of steps that had to be put into place. I think first I started with just seeking guidance from hepatitis C champions. There is a skill set and knowledge base that you have to have. So, and there were definitely, when you're talking about the base of drug user health, there are so many advocates and so many champions that it was quite easy to find people that would work with me, but that's really important. And then for buy-in, it's really important to have staff trainings, both for counselors and nurses, 
but also the medical staff really need to be educated on how to safely provide treatment. Testing, so if, you're, if we're talking about bringing services to the patients, right, and not making them seek us out, being able to draw labs on site is really important, or at least have sort of point of care testing. So we have a phlebotomist and a medical assistant. So we had to figure out like which labs we could draw. And because we're not in like a lab core center or some, some place that has a lot of equipment for storing different types of samples, we had to work with the labs to figure out how to process them appropriately and get them to the lab. We developed a delivery relationship with a specialty pharmacy, which is not essential, but I highly recommend because we can then, for the majority of the prescriptions, they would go to one specialty pharmacy and then we had the medication delivered to us. And that's a really, I think, really important part of this too, is to the specialty pharmacy situation for patients can be really difficult, especially if people are experiencing homelessness. They don't have addresses to have the medication sent to. So 100% of our patients sort of agreed to have the medication delivered to us. And being able to do that with one pharmacy instead of like 10 of them really helped. We developed a directly observed self-administration procedure so that patients that are experiencing homelessness or have otherwise, in other ways, cannot manage a month of medication without having trouble with it, losing it, mistaking it, whatever, forgetting we kept for some of those patients the medication in our in our clinic and then gave it to them daily. So we had to develop that um, procedure and process. But that's kind of where we started in terms of staff. We needed to create treatment protocols as well. And integrating harm reduction services and education was really essential to the hep C treatment because we don't want our patients to get reinfected. And so that, that was kind of, that happened in conjunction with the hep C treatment. I would say that we really started to orient around harm reduction around the same time as hep C treatment. So that's the sort of basics around it. There are some operational issues to think through. So anyone who's running an OTP or medical director for an OTP, there's some things that come up certainly around how are you going to deal with the administrative burden of getting the medication? Because there is a significant like prior authorization, figuring out the pharmacy, that kind of stuff. And then the electronic medical record is a thing, right? <laughs> and it's really a big thing in methadone treatment programs because typically we don't use general medicine programs. We have these like very specific methadone EMRs. And so we're lucky. We work with a very responsive, but it did take, you know, it takes a lot of development to be able to say, now we want to provide these services. We need to be able to order it, bill for it, make sure that now we'll be able to do directly observed treatment in the nurse's station. But that involves a lot of software and development around, or how do you successfully do that through an EMR that has never done that before? So the steps are sort of train your staff, deal with the nuts and bolts, and work with your EMR to be able to deliver the service. I feel almost silly having asked you about community response earlier, because as you're telling us your story about Greenwich and Greenwich House, it's pretty clear that community response is the general backbone of the work that you do, whether it's figuring out how to work through an EMR issue, anything with admin, or then onto the clinical piece. And I, I really love and have to applaud you for the work that was done. I I can't imagine how difficult it was, but obviously well worth the time and effort. 
Well, thank you. And I, I want to really recognize how wonderful it is to work at a place like Greenwich House. So we have extremely strong institutional support. And when this all started, there was no real reimbursement for this. So it was really, I was given the liberty to do this because it's important, but not because there was like a force outside of that moving things. So I think that really does speak to Greenwich House's commitment to the community and New Yorkers in general. So yeah, I'm lucky. Aside from, you know, the 107 things that you've already listed for us, what have been some of the greatest successes for Greenwich House in your opinion? So in terms of the hepatitis C treatment, if that's what you're speaking to, I'll start with patient perspective because I think that's what we're trying to do is center the patient. So the successes with patients are they're just so happy to be treated. This is something that I hear is just sort of on the back of their mind for a really long time. And to be able to take that worry away is just really, it, they're happy about it. Like it, it's really nice. The patients are really eager to be treated. And so to be able to do that, I think is a success. I think it's a success that we're able to make it as convenient as possible for patients. I think they the patients really appreciate that really our care is almost walk-in for all of it. Some things are scheduled, but you have a need, you walk in, you want to start hep C treatment. We do that. It's really, I think that's a success when you're speaking about patient experience. And then from a, sort of a more institutional level and staff level, our biggest success, I think, is just that we've integrated it. So even many OTPs have primary care and they have their opioid treatment, but they don't they may be co-located, but they're not fully like integrated in the way that you couldn't just walk in and say, I want treatment for this one thing, and I don't necessarily need to engage or want to engage about all this other stuff. I don't want an appointment. I don't want to go to a separate area. Just like I'm seeing you about my opioid treatment. Let's talk about hep C2 and let me be on my way. I think that's a real success. I think that's a, it's a really, it just reduces barriers even more so that I feel good about that. I feel like that is, that's been a real success for us. I think figuring it all out, <laughs> like the labs, the EMR, the like all the little pieces has been a real success. And I think we've created a culture where the staff is really excited about it, that people have bought in and we get referrals from counselors. We have medical staff that are really excited to do it. Fantastic. When I first thought about today's episode, I had kind of thought we would create a blueprint for other people interested in putting hep C treatment into their OTP or non-traditional healthcare setting. And it occurs to me now that you actually have the potential and the blueprint to do this for other health services. I'm wondering if you can speak to the untapped potential to provide more comprehensive care to people who use drugs when they're in the OTP. Right. The hepatitis C treatment that we've successfully integrated, I think, shows just how powerful OTPs could be in the treatment of all medical illnesses for people who use drugs or have used drugs who are in addiction treatment. There are something like, I don't know, I don't have the exact number, but something like 400,000 people in methadone treatment in OTPs across the country in all 49 states. And so we think about like the potential of what that could bring to people if we were to be able to, first we we're talking about hep C, bring hepatitis C into those spaces. But really, what if OTPs were sort of reimagined as center, centers for excellence in addiction treatment? And we were able to say, these are the common things that people who use drugs or people who have used drugs really need treatment for. 
and let's bring it to them where they're getting their treatment. The other area that was very apparent to me when we started Pepsi treatment is OTPs have this benefit of being able to store medication and dispense medication to people. So when you're talking about like social determinants of health and lowering barriers, again, like that person that may be using three different substances or is doesn't have stable housing, to be able to hang on to that medication for them and give it to them every day is very powerful. And I don't think we've tapped into that power in a way that we could. And I, I just have to make a little plug for a second. I don't want to get sidetracked. But if I were to give any recommendation on like how, further unleashing this potential, what I would say is let OTPs order Pepsi medicine, the way that we order methadone and buprenorphine. The way it works for those medications is the clinic purchases the medication, the patient gets the medication, and then we're reimbursed. And if that, if it could be as easy as that for hep C medication, it would also make it so much easier to treat patients because 80% of the time I spend following up is really about the administrative difficulties. So I think that's an area for future kind of unlocking of potential if that were to, that were to happen. Providing healthcare services and OTPs is really kind of a no-brainer, but there's just a lot of structural reasons that it hasn't happened until now. And I think we can reimagine that and, and change that structure so that we could meet those needs. Well, and Greenwich House is almost a case study itself in the plausibility, the feasibility of doing just that with what you've been able to do with hep C treatment. It's taking the next step and the next and the next and the next until you have your ideal that you're just talking about. I love it. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. I don't want to dampen the positivity, but I am going to take a bit of a turn. You mentioned earlier having identified some barriers as you worked through this process, and I don't want to have others kind of, you know, recreate the wheel in a negative way. So I'm wondering if you can talk through some of the the barriers that you encountered, the solutions that you mm -hmm. kind of incorporated to address them or any recommendations for our listeners. Sure. So I don't think I can understate how much the opioid or so the overdose crisis is affecting us in OTPs. The intensity with which people need medication ad adjustments, the intensity of how often people are overdosing and coming, thankfully, non-fatally overdosing, but coming in after that, needing care and attention is to really put strain on the medical services in a way that wasn't there 10 years ago. And so adding hep C treatment while we're in the midst of that crisis is a hard lift right now. So when you're making a decision about, do I adjust this person's methadone dose, or am I going to go into hep C treatment? The answer is pretty much always get them stable first, because the immediate risk of overdose is going to trump the hepatitis C. So that's been a real challenge, a real challenge. And sort of leading into that staffing in OTPs in general is difficult. So finding people who can both treat addiction and treat hepatitis C, that can be a barrier. Now, I do want to say there's so much, so much hope that we're seeing a lot of interest by new trainees and a, a real movement to try to help people who use drugs and provide really comprehensive, really superior care. The administrative work will always be a barrier as long as there's so much 
sort of got to go through a specialty pharmacy, got to send in these lab work, like the organization of that really slows everything down. And then I think if you're speaking on a very large systematic level, there's no reimbursement in OTPs for hepatitis C treatment on a federal level. So New York has very wonderfully started to do that. But New York's not going to solve the whole problem of the country. It has to be on a real like national scale. Those are some of the barriers. But I do think that we're getting there. And I think we're getting there faster than we ever have. And we have a foundation to work from. It's like Mm -hmm. we're not starting from scratch. We have each other. There are clinical champions out there. Yeah. Find each other. Make it happen. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. We can do this. Not that hard, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) As we close today's discussion, I'm wondering if you have any major takeaways or anything (laughs) that you'd like to share with our audience to take home with them today. I do. I just want everyone to recognize how, first of all, how easy this is. I think there's just a lot of fear from patients about the old medicine and maybe some intimidation by some providers about like what it means to treat hep C. And I just want to say it is way easier than managing someone's other medications for opioid use disorder. And you don't have to do it in a huge medical complex with radiology and GI in the same place. Like it is very feasible to do this in settings where the patients are that are not traditional healthcare settings. I think the other, another thing I'd like people to take away is that doing this in non-traditional settings is going to be essential in meeting the elimination goals. I don't know how we would meet those if we don't go to where the patients are. It, especially considering that young people who use drugs are the drivers right now, are the people who are infected and the drivers of, of infection. And then the third thing I think is really talking about OTP's potential. I've worked in this field for like, I don't know, 12 or 13 years now. And I OTPs have challenges and they have things, but they really just have such a potential to save lives. They have such a potential to reach people that really are not, they're falling through the, the cracks. And if we can expand our services, expand our vision, expand, expand our scope, in people's lives, I think that we could do enormous good. Conventional methods of hepatitis C treatment delivery, including referral to an off-site location or specialist, have discouraged many individuals from accessing, initiating, and completing treatment, especially people who use and inject drugs. Promising practices and core components of integrated care models continue to emerge in OTP settings, and it's been wonderful to hear about Greenwich House's success with Dr. Taki. OTPs play an integral role in supporting people who use drugs and clearly can successfully provide hepatitis C treatment to improve patient health and therapeutic alliances while reducing barriers and benefiting society in general through reduced transmission. If we aim to eliminate hepatitis C in New York State by 2030, more innovative approaches like this and passionate clinical champions like Dr. Taki are needed to lead the way. Thank you for tuning in. Join us next time for a new episode of Conversations with CEI. Visit us at ceitraining.org and follow us on CEI social media platforms.